Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really pleased to have with me on the line Isar Metis. Isar is a successful Israeli entrepreneur with three startups behind him, one of which grew to $100 million in sales. He's the co-founder and CEO of Be The Stage, a company that's spearheading a new category of business development, relationship driven growth. Isard is on a quest to show the world that being relationship-driven is better than being transaction-driven, which is why today he's talking all about how you can build a community of raving fans around your business to help propel your brand forward. It's going to be an amazing discussion today. Isard, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Oh my God. I, I'm so, so, so excited. Like You and I connected the first time we met and we clicked and I know this is going to be crazy fun. So I can't wait. I love it, man. I love it. So you have a very storied background. So like I said, you, uh, you came from Israel and you're really a startup guy, right? So now you're living in the United States and you have a lot of accolades behind you. Can you please uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. I was born in, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was so my first job out of the Air Force, I joined a small uh, startup in Israel. We did uh, training and simulation stuff, and that what really brought me to the U.S. So I was really thrown in into the deep end of the pool, not knowing anything about business because I was an Air Force guy, and joined a small startup. Very quickly moved with that startup to the U.S., did marketing and sales and business development. and wore a lot of hats in that startup. Uh, that startup went public, so that was a very interesting uh, process as well. And I left that startup, did an executive MBA. And after the MBA, I started my own startup, which was to keep this short, let's say, in the area of affiliate marketing. So we were trying to create a platform that will allow anybody in the world to be an affiliate of any company and basically leverage the fact we recommend stuff to each other all the time and actually help companies that way and help the people. So that was kind of the idea behind that startup. We raised almost $4 million, developed a very interesting product, but it wasn't the right timing, and I've made a lot of mistakes as a CEO, and that eventually uh, died. But during that process, like very early on, actually, in that process, my main investor took me into his company, which was a very large travel company, the largest wholesale travel company in the US, the third largest in the world, and said, hey, I want you to build an e-commerce solution for my company as well, because they did only wholesale. So I joined as the head of e-commerce, built an e-commerce platform from scratch, and we grew that, like you said, uh, to $100 million in sale. And then that company got sold. So the bigger company that I was, I was kind of like running an incubator, like a startup within that bigger company. So that company at that time did a billion dollar in sales. My little group was doing $100 million, And the overall company was bought out by a very large private equity 
who bought us and our two largest competitors in the world and joined us into a very, very large wholesale travel company. And so that was a very interesting school, right? This integration of three giants from three different places around the world with thousands and thousands and thousands of employees. And so I became the head of e-commerce for that organization, which I did not really like because I lost the whole startup thing. And like you said in the beginning, I'm a startup kind of guy. So I quit and left and I was a little bit bored. So I started investing in startups and mentoring startup CEOs and started my podcast, which led me to eventually starting the company that I'm running right now, which is Be The Stage. So that's really interesting is that, you know, you go from this, the whole thing about startups is that the end goal usually is to build an application or a process or, you know, or some kind of solution that you can then deliver at scale. So you're not only talking to one customer or a hundred customers, it's something that you can eventually, you know, use to sell to a hundred thousand or to a million customers, things like that. But then after doing all those exits, you know, now you're working on something that's definitely much more personal. It requires a lot more of your personal time. This isn't something where you're sitting behind the scenes and just trying to scale it also to see numbers like that. So what was that transition like? I mean, I would imagine that that also required a little soul searching in order for you to really wrap your head around, okay, you know, I'm going to be more hands-on and I'm going to mentor, you know, these businesses and this group of people in order to do better with their relationship building. Amazing question. Like literally, I do this a lot. Nobody asked me this before, and it's a fantastic question. And I'll answer it in two ways. A, yes, it required a lot of soul searching. And the fact that I was alone doing my own thing, trying to figure out what I want to do next, gave me the time to do that. But B, everything I've done before touched on the key components of this. So in the original startup that I talked about, we very early on figured out we can't compete with the giants of the simulation world. And instead, we built a platform that enabled other people, our partners, to be able to develop with our solution. So we developed a development platform that we had to sell to a small group of people that we'll make a lot of money with, and we will gain. In the second startup, same kind of thing. I was trying to help people. I was trying to be an enabler of other people and other companies to make money. In my third business, same thing. We were competing with giants in the travel industry, which we understood we couldn't do. So we said, okay, we will build a white label platform. So we will partner with people that are not in the travel industry that want to be able to sell travel. So credit card companies, membership organizations, and people like that, give them our platform. So it was always relationship driven, always being an enabler of somebody else to be able to grow. And that's how I was able to create growth for myself and for my company through being an enabler to others. So actually, yes, I kind of like had to hone in and sharpen the edges, but it's very much aligned with what I did in the last 25 years. Amazing. That's an amazing answer. Thank you so much for that. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing right now in that you are through podcasting and through lives, you are actually teaching companies how to use this medium that we're doing right now to uh, to leverage their knowledge and to leverage their relationship on how to make newer, better, and more profitable connections. How does that work? Uh, walk me through you know, what it is your company does and what your process is for making that happen. Perfect. Before I do that, I want to go to the why, right? Why do we do this and why does it work? 
And why do we do it? Why does it work? It's very, very simple. We are people. You sell to people. Each and every one, anybody who's in business sells to other people until the machines take over, and that's probably in the near future, but we're not there yet. So we sell to other people. People are social creatures. We have been for millions of years. So we are rigged to trust other people to do some things for us. But we need that trust level. So if you, you hear a lot of marketers talk about the no-like trust factor, right? You want people to know about you, to like you, and then to trust you in order to do business with you. So as people, business, because it's with other people, is always built around relationships. And for, again, decades, and to be honest, millennia, it was built about relationships. It was built about, I know this guy from the other village. He sells goats. I sell chickens and we know each other very well and I know what he needs and he knows what I need and he knows my kids and so on. And that was true until probably 15 years ago when the internet was taking over everything we know. So it was, it started, you know, the first kind of things that kind of like chopped into this or chipped into this was mass media, right? You could do commercials on TV, on radio. That was the first time that businesses were able to promote one too many. But when the internet took over with automations and landing pages and personalization, now a lot of that was taken over by, I call them tricks, right? We understand the psychology of people. We know that they fear things. We know that they love things. We understand exactly how they think. And if we build the right landing pages and funnels and all these things, we can attract them to what we want them to do and push them in that direction. But behind the scenes, it's still human psychology, and human psychology still craves relationship. And so the problem with relationships is that relationships are very hard to scale, right? So I can build landing pages like this. The landing page can be seen by 10,000 people in a day, and I still don't need to do anything. Relationship takes an effort from the person to build a relationship with the other person. So, and I think the new generation, you know, Gen Xs, Gen Zs, and even millennials are way more touchy-feely than my generation and the generation after that. And because of that, there's a, you know, the pendulum is swinging back from, oh, I want to sell you as much as possible to, there's a person on the other side that I want to understand what they want. I want to serve them. And that's why they're going to be my client. So the question becomes, how do you do that? How do you scale relationships? So now there's a big craze, as you know, to oh, I'll build a podcast. And that's a way for me to communicate with more people. The problem with a podcast, and don't get me wrong, a podcast is an amazing step in the right direction. So if, if any of you listening or watching us right now or watching us later, thinking of starting a podcast, it's a great step forward. It's a way for you to build authority and connect and, and let people know what you're all about. But the problem with that is that it's a one-to-one -one connection. So you and I are now connecting and having a great conversation. But if this was only a recorded podcast, that was it. People would listen to it afterwards, but it's a one-way street. But you're doing this live. People are hopefully writing comments and chatting on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and so on when, when they're watching the live. So we can communicate with them and bring them into the conversation. We can let them ask questions. We can make them a part of the creation of the value that we're creating together. So if you want to break down the relationships that you want to nurture in order to grow a business, there are four kinds of relationships you want to grow. You want to grow one-to-one. -one, so what we're doing right now, you and I are having a great conversation. One-to-few. So we have now X number of people watching us and again, hopefully participating. And I would love any of you who's watching this live, write questions, 
comment so we can bring you into this conversation because that's going to make it more interesting and more valuable to you and other people like you. So that's one to few. You're going to take this content, and that's what we do for our clients, and chop it off to multiple, multiple pieces of bite-sized value pieces relevant to specific audiences. And we're going to tag the right people in the right platforms in order to distribute that, which becomes one too many. And then the last part is third party to third party. If you are going live and you're really bringing in people from the audience, you're going to have regulars. You can introduce people to one another. You can become a super connector because you have this community around you of relevant people from your relevant industry. You know what's really interesting about all this, though, is that when I first started podcasting, I was amazed that once you put a microphone in front of your mouth, you get instant authority, right? Even though my first episode sucked, I stuttered throughout all of them. I couldn't pronounce the names. Please don't listen to my first episodes, please, <laughs> right? But you know what okay, happens is that, it, right, this, but people right? still come. Right. But people still come. They still want to talk to me. Why? Because, you know, like you said, I sometimes ask some interesting questions. But at the same time, it's like you, these connections that you're making, they become so much more personal. Yeah. Right. I know that that I can send out a bunch of promo, uh, a bunch of proposals. I know that I can send out, uh, you know, that I can drive traffic to landing pages or I can send out millions of emails. But there is nothing like talking one to one to having an engaging conversation. And being able to connect uh, with people, whether they're down the street or halfway around the world, you know, we're, you know, we're doing this and it's in real time. And it's like, that is the part that continually floors me. That is the part that, that continually just like, wow, what an amazing platform this is. And, and I agree hundred percent. And again, I think again, contextualizing what you said to connecting it to what I said if you're going live with the right strategy in the right places and really bringing in people and really letting them engage, you're now giving an hour of your time to a lot more people than just one-to-one. -one. So your focus is on one-to-one. -one. You're bringing in the one-to-few. You're sharing it with the one-to-many, and you can make connections across your community. In one hour per week or 30 minutes per week, depending how long you want to do the show, you nurture all those level of relationships, and that's the way to scale it. So what you're doing, Jeff, is absolutely amazing, right? Right now, you are creating four levels of relationships while investing only 30 minutes of your time, which means it's scalable. But that's half of the scalability, right? And you know the other half of it, right? Right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what happens then, you know, like afterwards. So, you know, like we go and we create this great piece of content, it gets chopped up, you know, we can make all the social graphics and the audiograms and all that neat stuff around it. What happens next? Like, you know, when you're building up that relationship, like what is the net effect? Like what can that, what do you see that doing for businesses that you work with? So, a few things that we're doing, and, and I think a lot of it is not in the tactics. So a lot of people get drawn straight into the tactics. Oh, I want to have a podcast, and I want to be able to repurpose the content, and I'm going to put it on social media. And then I'm like, okay, great. But to make it successful is about the strategy and not about the tactics. It's about who do you want to bring to the show. And you want to bring to the show people who provide value to your audience, who help you build what you want to build, either because they could be a client, they could be a supplier, they could be a partner, 
you want to build the authority of your own stage. So you're bringing authoritative figures relevant to the industry. So that helps you build authority. So you bring people who have a purpose. You don't just go and say, I heard a lot of people say, oh, I spoke to this uh, podcast agency and they can bring me uh, 50 guests. I'm like, okay, are these relevant to what you do? Well, I don't know. They're bringing them. I'm like, okay, so why do you want them on your show? So that's number one. Number two is remember, it's first and foremost about the relationship and not about the content. The content is a great benefit that you get for free. So lots and lots of companies struggle with what content to create, how to create content weekly, how to make it interesting. You solve that problem. I solve that problem for companies, right? I tell them, we do the show, we bring very interesting people that know how to talk, and you have more content that you can ever share that is relevant, that is up-to-date, that is educational, inspirational, uh, funny, like all the things you want are there. So you can build your entire content ecosystem as a byproduct, but you start with the relationships and the value you can bring to the people around you. And that helps you build a community. And what we do, we call this the relationship flywheel. And if you, if you want to ask a question, ask a question. If not, if you can bring in the graphics, I want to explain the strategy and how that works. So really, what is the relationship flywheel? The relationship flywheel is our methodology to how to leverage this whole ecosystem in order to grow a business. So the first thing that I said is about nurturing connections. You want to build real relationships, real connections with real people in the four levels that I described before. But because we know how to take that and chop it into relevant pieces of content, and because we strategically tag the relevant people, so if somebody asks a question, I want to highlight them as part of the content. They're not going to be an afterthought of the show. There's going to be a piece of content about John from Philadelphia, who started a company two years ago, and he is now struggling with XYZ, wants to ask my guest X. So another piece of content highlights this conversation. That is not really my conversation. I'm just providing the stage for it. So we can magnify everything we do through content. But because we do this, because we know how to tag the right people and create the right value pieces, we provide value to a bigger group of people which brings them closer to us. But because we have the live show, because we can bring them closer to us, because I allow them to participate in the creation process, they co-create value with me, which then makes them a closer relationship to me, which then allows me to create more content that brings more value, that brings more connections. And it's, we don't call it the relationship flywheel for nothing. It slowly but surely gains momentum until it becomes unstoppable. And we see our clients growing at crazy pace quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter, initially in engagement numbers, and then two quarters after in actual sale numbers that keeps on growing consistently across the board because of this strategy. You know what's interesting about all this is that we're going to have the conversations anyways, right? In that, um, if I'm going to try to get you on the phone, I'm going to try to, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, pitch my services or, or try to schmooze you a little bit into, you know, becoming my friend and then pitch you. Right. So a lot of this stuff is going to happen anyways. And you know, what I tell my clients is why not record it? 
right? Why not, you know, why not lay down a track and use it? Because most of the time it's an engaging conversation. You know, I remember when I was, when I was putting together the whole concept for this podcast, right? At first I was like, you know, I wanted to be a vlogger, right? I went out and I bought the badass camera. I bought the lights. I bought the microphone. I bought everything. And then I set up the camera on a tripod and I tried to record myself. I went into this conference room in, in WeWork and I stared into the lens for 45 minutes and couldn't, I couldn't get two sentences out edgewise. Right. And I'm just looking at myself and I felt like a total failure. I was like, oh my God, like, why did I do this? Why did I drop all this money? And then you know what happened? I got a phone call. Right. And it turned out that this phone call was someone who found me randomly and it turned into a sales call. Now, I forgot to stop recording on the, on the camera. Right. So now I'm, uh, you know, I'm for, I'm half hour, 45 minutes recording this thing. And, you know, I hang up, I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I have to, I, that was the most interesting half an hour, 45 minutes of the entire recording. And that's where the epiphany just went. You know, everything got brighter, everything got, you know, so much clearer. And I'm like, you know something, maybe I have a face for radio or maybe I'm just not ready or, uh, you know, to produce or have the talent for a vlog, but you know something, I have a mouth and I can talk about it. Right. So why not start with the podcast? And that's exactly what happened. Right. Is that, you know, I, I went with the strength that I had at first. And believe me, you know, it's like, you know, recording yourself and just talking, you know, talking to yourself in a, you know, in a small room and like, oh, there's too much static. And then the AC went on and the dog barked and, you know, whatever it is, you know, there's always going to be something to, you know, to distract you. But what I've noticed, and when I started looking at, uh, when I started watching other bigger people in this field, right? At the end of, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use one example, uh, John Lee Dumas, right? So he's got this great podcast where he, inter where he's got a daily podcast where he interviews people for like the past eight years. He's done like three to 4,000 episodes. I forgot the number, right? But every time you see him on video, he doesn't have this great studio set up with the, you know, with the strip lights and all that. The guy's doing it in his tank top on the porch of where he lives in Puerto Rico now right? He's not doing anything special. And sometimes his audio sucks and sometimes his audio is great. Now he's done some amazing work in terms of bringing people together and bringing, uh, you know, teaching people how to get into this and, you know, and how to be awesome. And believe me, he's an awesome figure, right? But at the end of the day, he's not really going above and beyond in order to produce this content. Sometimes he's just connecting a lav mic to his phone and just recording himself, you know, next to the beach and that's it. Right. And that's still engaging. People love that. You don't need to set up a whole studio. You don't need to set up a whole thing. I mean, yeah, if you want to be buttoned up, you know, corporate type, you know, yeah, you, you can do that, you know, go for it. That's what I was trying to do. Right. But then I just realized that no, just go with it. And people will love you just the same. Right. I agree a hundred percent. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the relationship and the value that you can bring. Now, if your audio is horrible, well, it's going to be hard to listen to and people are going to drop off. But if it's okay and up, it's fine. And I'll give you another example. You know, uh, Gary V. Most of the content you see about Gary V is holding a freaking phone. No lapel mic, no nothing. He's walking the street or talking to people in the crowd, really noisy, and everybody watches it. Well, he's just screaming at millennials anyway, so, you know. No, no, but, but yeah, you know, they can do that. Like, <laughs> it's 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 not about the quality of the audio. It's about the value you bring and how good it is in the benefit it gives to the people that are listening. 
Exactly. You know, I love that. Uh, um, I love that point in that you are able to do this. And, you know, even if I don't become uh, Joe Rogan, even if Spotify doesn't come around and offer me, you know, $40 million for my podcast, it's still all good. You know why? Because I get to meet all of these interesting people on a daily basis that, frankly, I don't know how we would have met otherwise. Right. I mean, unless we go to some kind of convention and meet over there or, you know, if we happen to connect on LinkedIn or whatever, you know, there are a myriad of ways that we can that we can connect with each other. But to actually sit down and create content together and make it happen, I think that part is gold. Agreed 100 percent. So one last question on this subject, then. What is the net effect? So after, so after you help companies implement this system, you help them produce, you know, this type of content, you help them put in the processes in place that they can take the content, repurpose it into a million places, whatever. What is the net effect that you see for companies um, after they have implemented your process for this? So I, I think the biggest trick that people don't know, like the, <clears throat> the, the, the secret that is not a secret is the community. You want to build a community around your business, host it wherever you want to host it, a Facebook group, a LinkedIn group, a standalone platform that, that is a community-based platform, whatever works for you, wherever you think you can bring your audience in. But the community is the trick, and I'll tell you why. Our longest-lasting, our longest-running client, I should say, is running with us for almost two years now. Uh, in these two years, they now have over 4,000 or around 4,000 people in their Facebook group. And what happens is this, and, and what they do, just to put things in perspective, they sell turnkey rental property solutions. So people write them checks of two hundred to $350,000, most of them without ever seeing the property. So think about the level of trust that requires. Think about you writing a check for $250,000 to somebody you've never met, to a property you'll never visit because you trust them enough that this will work. They're now able to do this 4x what they did when they started with us. So 4x the sales. A lot of it because of the community. Because what happens is this. People join the show. They listen to the show like, oh, this is awesome. It really teaches me how to invest and how to be a smarter investor and what to pay attention to and the details and how to analyze properties and like everything you want to know as an investor in general and specifically a real estate investor. But then like go to the group, visit the group, join us in the group. So people are like, okay, I'll join the group. So they join the group and like, I've, I've listened to the show three or four times. I'm thinking seriously working with this company, has anybody in this group actually worked with them? And then 50 people will write, don't think about twice, they're amazing, I've done four transactions with them, blah, blah, blah. But out of the 50 people, 10 will write a freaking blog post of everything they had with this amazing company and how great it is to work with them and how great their service is and how they had issues but they were always resolved in time and how, and that's it, game over. They don't need to speak to the company and the sell has already happened. So that's the benefit. The benefit you know, they, is they just, created just these raving sentence, fans. Yeah. Is the social proof that is independent and sh razor sharp supporting the company. That's what you create if you do this right. And we, all we do, so I literally told your listeners how to do it, right? You can do it on yourself. All we do is we have the systems, the processes, the knowledge, and, and, and a lot of people to test it out with to just make it efficient so, so our clients can come for one hour a week, do the show, have fun, talk to somebody relevant, and forget about all the rest, and the, all the rest happens. But the 
secret ingredients are not secret. It's everything I told you right now. And you can build relationships at scale and you can build a community. And that community becomes, like you said, raving fans of yours that become the social proof of everything you do, which then creates additional sales without you having to ever sell anything. I love it, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. Can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly if they want to learn more? Sure. So several different ways. Uh, number one, the website for the company is bethestage.live because we believe you don't want to be the star of the stage. You want to be the stage and let other people shine. I hope that was clear with everything that I mentioned so far. Um, so bethestage.live is the website. If you want to check out my personal blog, it's uh, theetribe.com. And uh, which is a tribe of entrepreneurs that I've been nurturing since I left my uh, last company, the, the travel company. And if you want to connect with me, you can either listen to my podcast, which is uh, Business Growth Accelerator, and you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. Isar Metis. It's I-S-A-R-M-E-I-T-I-S. I have a really, really different name, so I have to spell it and pronounce it every time, but I'm the only Isar Metis on LinkedIn. So if you found me, you found me. Amazing stuff. Isar, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show, breaking it all down for us. You know, I love nerding out on this kind of stuff. And, you know, I just really appreciate all the value that you brought to us today. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And anytime. I, like I said, I'm like you. We're very, very similar in our mindset and in what we do. And I love sharing this kind of stuff. So thank you for having me. You got it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable one big tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.